Good morning, everyone, and welcome to today's focus for Tuesday, April the 11th, 2023, at 1026 a.m. Central Time. Now, today's focus is, and I'm just going to read it. You tell me where you find this, all right? Here is today's focus. I'm just going to read it. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Do you know where, where that is found? I'm, I'm assuming everyone knows where that is found. That is Jude. We would say chapter one, verse three. I mean, there is no chapter because it's just, well, it's just, I guess, chapter one. That's Jude three, if we want to say it that way. That is Jude three. Let me read it to you one more time. This is what I want you to focus on today. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm going to read it to you one more time. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, the part I really want you to focus on is that the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. The faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, the reason this is going to be the focus today is because I received an email. And it's a very good email, especially in light of all the hours we have spent over the last couple of days reviewing a lecture that was given at a conference in, we think, 2017. It was a breakout session and in this breakout session, the goal of the lecture was to try to answer this question. If the Bible is so clear, why are there all of these different denominations? Why are there all these different doctrines and all of these different interpretations? If the Bible is clear, then why do we see this problem? Now, the sad part is we listened to the entire lecture. We spent over four hours reviewing it. And they never really even attempted to answer the question in any meaningful way. It was very frustrating. So someone could hear that and go, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're saying the Bible isn't clear. You're clearly making it clear that there's all of these differences and there, you're clearly making it clear that there's all these different doctrines and different, different theologies and that nobody can agree on anything. You're, you're making me a little nervous. And I can understand. I always make people a little nervous when I point out the reality of Christianity. I, I, I know no one likes to hear it, but the reality of Christianity is that no one agrees on the meaning of the word repentance. No one agrees on the word baptism. No one agrees on the church structure. No one, I mean, I can just go on and on and on. I've mentioned them now countless times and countless different sermons and podcast episodes. So I'm not going to go through the list again, but the list is long. And you can say, no, 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 no. There is, there is, there's, there's basic agreement on the essentials. Are there? There's not agreement on salvation. 
People don't know. People don't agree if it's monergistic or synergistic. People don't agree. If, are we saved because of our free will? Are we saved because of the sovereign election of God? Do, do you can you lose your salvation? Do you keep your salvation? Are you saved because of an imputed righteousness? Or the only way you know you're saved is based on the practical righteousness? I mean, we can go on and on and on. There's not even agreements on things that relate directly, to, not only to the gospel but to salvation. So this raises all kinds of of questions and concerns. Now, I think most people just shrug their shoulders and like, well, he's he's just exaggerating it. Who really cares? That church can do what they want. We'll do what I want. I'm not going to worry about all of the differences. I'm not and most Christians just don't seem too bothered by it. But I obviously get very frustrated with it. Well, someone sent me an email and I I can't speak for them, but I think maybe they were having some of these feelings. I could be wrong. They sent me an email. The subject of the email is scripture clarity. Okay. All right. So we, that's, that's what we've been talking about now for what? We spent over four hours talking about it. And then they just asked one simple question. Where is the faith once delivered to the saints? Where is that faith that was once delivered to the saints. Now that, that's a great question. I mean, that is, that is a really good question. If there is one faith and it was delivered to the saints at one time, where is it in 2023? Is it in the Catholic church? Is it in the Greek Orthodox church? Is it in the church of Christ? Is it in the Presbyterian church? Where is it? Where is the faith that was once delivered to these saints, where is it? Now, before we try to answer that question, I do think it's fascinating, right? When you look at Jude, that even though that faith had been once delivered to the saints, something was already wrong. Something was all desperately wrong. Even though, so here's what I want you to do today. I want you, and, and I'm not going to do this for you because remember today's focus is to try to give you something to work on. Today, this is what I want you to do. Look up the date for the writing of the book of Jude. Look up the dating for the book of Jude. When was the book of Jude written? Now, make sure you look up a number of sources, maybe two or three Bible dictionaries. If you have a study Bible, look at the introduction. Uh, you can, you can, you you can just look, make sure you look three or four sources. And the reason I always say look at three or four sources is because this happens all the time. This happens all the time. You'll try to look up the date of one of the books in the Bible. And if you look up three or four sources, you can get a very wide range of, of supposed dates. It, it can start like, oh, it was 60 AD all the way up to 140 AD. Like, you know, but so get just a basic range of when it was written. And here's what I want you to think about. At the time that Jude was written, the faith that was once delivered unto the saints was already being, in a sense, attacked and being corrupted. Because look at look at exactly what happens. I, this this is to me fascinating. All right, now look carefully. Listen carefully, beloved. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. So he, he wanted to write to the Jude, Jude wanted to write to these individuals and he wanted to just write about the common salvation, about what we have in common. Hey, hey, we have this in common. In other words, we're in agreement. He just wanted to write about the common salvation, but something happened. 
It was needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. Now, wait a minute. He wanted to just talk about the common salvation, and then he had to stop and go, wait, 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 wait. I need you to contend. I need you to contend. Now, what does the word contend mean? What does the word contend mean? Let's let's just look that up. Let's just look that up. All right, I'm going to go to the Blue Letter Bible app here. Blue Letter Bible app. All right, I'm over here in Proverbs. Okay, let's go to Jude. Let's go to, quote unquote, chapter one. Click on verse three, brings up the interlinear. Look up the word contend. If I can find it. That you should earnestly contend. That you should earnestly contend. That's not what we want, okay? Let's try that again. All right. That we should earnestly contend. That ye should earnestly contend. That's not what I want. Let's try that again. It does not want to let me look up the word. All right, here we go. That you should earnestly contend. All right, earnestly contend is this Greek word. That whole phrase, that ye should earnestly contend, comes from this Greek word. You ready? Here we go. Strong's G, 1864. Epagonizomai. 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 And at Strong's definition of epagonizomai, if I can say it correctly, is to struggle for. To earnestly contend. Epagonizomai means to struggle. Now, no, to struggle in what way? A Thayer's Greek lexicon has it, um, uh, well, yeah, I mean, they don't really add much. They don't really add much to it. I thought, I thought Thayer's lexicon was going to add a lot. But it's only re- used right there. It's only used in Jude 1.3. So it's not like we can look up a lot of other verses that uses epagonizomai in any, in any meaningful way. We don't have anything else. So it just means to struggle. To contend, I, I will add to it, and I think this is fair, to fight, to struggle, to stand. So, so he wanted to just say, hey, let's write about that common salvation. But uh-oh, uh-oh, I've got, I've got to challenge you. Hey, guys, I need you to struggle. I need you to fight. I need you to struggle and fight for the faith. You got to struggle and stand for the faith. Now, why? Now, this faith that you're going to struggle with was the one that was once delivered unto the saints. And here's the reason why. Look at verse four. For there are certain men crept in unawares. Now, the, you're going to have to struggle. You're going to have to fight with people who are inside the church. Now, now this common salvation that was once delivered, well, now inside the church, They've crept in unawares. You're going to have to fight with them. And guess what? They crept in unawares. In other words, you couldn't even, you didn't even realize it. You didn't even see. They sounded like you. They sounded like they believed in the same salvation. They believed in the same faith. They came in unawares, but look what they've done. Look, look about these, uh, these men. They crept in unawares. They were uh, of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They came in. They're ungodly. They're denying the Lord Jesus Christ, but they made it inside the church. Now the struggle, the fight is not with those outside of the church. The fight is now with those inside the church. That was already happening. Now, what what, what was the date? I'm not telling you the date. Look up, when was Jude written? At that point. The problem had already started. 
Now, you see this throughout the New Testament, right? Over and over and over. Paul's writing letters to churches because there are problems. Uh, he's, he's, he's fighting against false doctrine. He's fighting against false teaching. I mean, it's happening throughout the New Testament. As soon as, think about it this way, as soon as the faith was once delivered, immediately there were people inside the church contradicting it, arguing against it, corrupting it, and offering their own version of it. So the, the faith that was once delivered has been under attack from the very beginning. So, so immediately we realize, wow. So the church has always, it's always, I want to make sure we realize the attack against false doctrine, the attack against truth has always, the issue is, is the attack of it from inside the church. The church spends so much of its time looking at all the problems outside. The problems are inside. I always make the joke. The call is coming from inside the house. Right, I know a reference to an old horror movie, but it's the, the the danger is inside. We want to protect ourselves from the world. The corruption is inside because well, we're all sinners. So immediately the problem is inside. Now, so where is this faith that was once delivered to the saints, and who, who was it delivered to? Now you can look at lots of commentaries. They will all offer their different perspectives. I'm going to just offer a couple of thoughts here just because I want to answer this question for someone or at least try to give them something to think about. At the same time, I want everyone else thinking about it. All right. So here we go. Let me find where this um, uh, shows up. All right. Let's see here. Um, so he wanted to write of the common salvation. All right. It was needful for me to write. Okay. He wants them to contend. All right. Here we go. Once delivered to the saints, all right? Uh, now, it says here, and they name a number of people, supposing supposing the meaning of the clause to be of, of that the faith spoken of was delivered to the saints once for all, and it is never to be changed. Nothing is to be added to it and nothing to be taken away from it. By the saints, Jude first means the holy apostles and prophets of Christ, so the faith is the faith that was delivered ultimately to the apostles, to the saints, to the, to the prophets. In other words, God had been delivering his truth through, if, if you, now he's delivered it in different ways. See Hebrews, diverse ways is the word we would use. He delivered it in all kinds of different ways, right? Visions, dreams, speaking to them audibly. And you can go all the way back from Abraham all the throughout the Old Testament. You got the major prophets, the minor prophets. He's delivering the, the faith. He's delivering truth to them, right? So you had the saints. He delivered that, right? Then ultimately he delivered it to the, the apostles. So I think he delivered it to the saints one time, like he gave the message to them once. And listen, here, here is where, now listen to me carefully. I think that faith, once delivered, was then taken by those prophets, those apostles, and then ultimately it was delivered by inspiration and put right here in Scripture. It was once delivered to the saints, and then it was written down by inspiration, meaning that God de God delivered his message and it was preserved for us in the pages of 
the scriptures once delivered to the saints. Now, I know what you're saying. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You said it's not clear. Listen, I can identify where it is. At the same time, I can acknowledge, obviously, it's not clear because no one can agree upon it. Now, in some ways, I'm not shocked that it's not clear, right? Because it's God giving us his truth, giving us the faith. And that God is all wise, eternal, omniscient, and it's given to us. Sinners who are not all wise, who are not omniscient, who are not, who are not eternal. And then we take it and we have our sinful nature and we have all of these, we'll refer to them as limitations, or you could say disabilities that impact our ability to understand that faith. And people have taken that faith and started corrupting it from the very beginning. I believe the faith was once delivered to the saints, and that's to the prophets and the apostles. Ultimately, by inspiration, God then breathed out that message, that faith, to be written down in Scripture and kept and preserved for us. We have it. So when we say, where is the faith? It's not inside a specific church. It's inside Scripture. Now, people want to say, well, it's very clear. Well, it's obviously not very clear. Or you could say, it, maybe you could argue, it's very clear. The problem is inside all of us. But then even if, the, even if the scripture is clear, if we, because of all of our limitations, because of all of our disabilities, because of all our sinful nature and all the other issues, we can't arrive at a clear understanding of it, then maybe you can say the scriptures are clear, but it doesn't matter how clear they are because we can't arrive at a clear understanding of it because of all of the limitations and disabilities that we possess. So therefore, we'll never come to a completely clear understanding of it. And I don't think we will ever come to a clear understanding of it. But I just think that the faith, once delivered by the saints, the saints are the prophets and the apostles. He delivered it to them. Now, of course, originally they preached that message. They passed it down verbally, oral tradition. Now, we can get into a whole argument how Catholics believe that oral tradition has been preserved inside the Catholic Church. Okay, but ultimately... They preached it. They taught it. There's no question about it. But then ultimately, God inspired, God breathed out the pages of Scripture. And then once the Scripture were complete, God's revelation ceased. And now we have the faith once delivered unto the saints right here. But immediately immediately once that, I mean, you can see it all the way from the Old Testament into the New Testament. While God is delivering once and for all the faith, people immediately started corrupting it, changing it, twisting it, trying to deny it, trying to turn it into something they want over and over and over and over. So I guess we could argue and I know this is at, if, if for those who missed all of our discussion about is scripture clear, I guess if one wanted to make an argument, well, scripture is clear, but the problem is us. Well, I got no problem acknowledging the problem is us. But then why are we going to debate the clarity of scripture? Because no matter how clear it is, it's irrelevant because we can't arrive at a clear understanding of it because of all of our limitations and disabilities. Even in the lecture that we reviewed yesterday, for those who, were, who listened to that, 
Just think about it. Even he acknowledged that one of the reasons we all where there is no agreement on scripture is because of the effects of the fall. Now he didn't he did not he did not expound on that. He did not he didn't he just barely mentioned it and moved on. To me that was one of the biggest confessions in that entire lecture. Well, wait a minute. We all are impacted by the fall. And if the fall impacts our ability to understand scripture, then we will never clearly understand it. So you can sit there and spend an hour saying scripture is clear. Scripture is clear. The minute you say we can't clearly understand it because of the fall, then it doesn't matter how clear scripture is. So I think the faith is right here. I'm holding it. It's once delivered. That was once delivered to the prophets and to the apostles and then God breathed out that faith that he once delivered to them to be written down right here in scripture. That that is where the faith is. Now, I know what you're saying, but that doesn't do us any good if we can't arrive at a common understanding. I agree. It's beyond frustrating. It's beyond maddening. Now, I may try to do an an additional podcast on this, because remember, today's focus, I'm not supposed to, I'm supposed to have already ended. They're supposed to be 15 minutes long, so I've already gone a little long. But let me, let me challenge you on this. Here's what I would challenge you. I want you to look up the date of the book of Jude, because I just want you to see, wait a minute, so already at that point, (laughs) the common faith was already under attack from inside the church. Here's what I want you to consider. Here's what I would love for you to do. I want everyone to take a piece of paper today. Use your mobile device. You, I don't care what you use. You can use pen today. I don't care. You can use your computer. I do want you to send, to, send this to me, but I want you on your own. I want you on your own. On your own. To write out four things. Four things. I want to say five, but I want you to write out at a minimum of four, no more than five. You can go. I want you to minimum of four, no more than five. So somewhere between four and five. Some may do the fifth one. Some may not be able to come up with a fifth one. I want you to write down four or five things that every single Christian could do. Every single Christian. I don't care what denomination. I don't worry. I don't care what theological stream you're a part of. I don't care. Charismatic, Presbyterian, Lutheran, Baptist. I don't care what you are, write down four or five things that every Christian should do, four minimum, five max, that every Christian could do to help us get closer to that common salvation, that that common faith that was once delivered unto the saints. In other words, what are four or five things every Christian could do with the scriptures? How could we approach the scriptures in such a way that we could maybe get closer to be having all things in common? What are four or five practical things you and I could do as we, uh, as in regards to approaching scripture? I know I'm not being a little vague there. So let me, be, let me try to drill down and be more specific. Four or five things every Christian should do in regards to how they approach scripture that could lead to us discovering that faith that was once delivered unto the saints. What are four or five things you could do with your Bible when it comes to the Bible, your approach to the Bible, your reading and studying the Bible, four or five things we could do to help us discover the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Practical things. 
Now, if you believe in apostolic su- succession, say that's that's the basis of Roman Catholicism, that you know you had the apostles, and then well, that that apostolic authority, that apostolic power, well, at, that apostolic succession went right to the popes and the, and to the Catholic Church, and they have the apostolic authority and power to interpret Scripture, and so you just look to them. Well, if we reject the authority of the church, if we reject apostolic su- succession, and we believe, no, God God gave his revelation in scripture, that scripture now belongs to every man, woman, and child, and it's our responsibility to read it, it's our responsibility to discover that faith that was once delivered, then what are, what are four or five things we can do when we pick up our Bible that will get us as close to the faith as possible? I mean, clearly something is not working. Clearly. So what are four or five things everyone could do? And do you think it would really work? Now, I'm now, now you and I both know it's not whatever you come up with or whatever I come up with is not going to be perfect. But there's got to be some things like for me. I'll just give you some examples. How is it possible? I, and, I, and I literally mean this. I'm not saying this in a sarcastic way. I just don't understand how anyone can pick up their Bible and read from Genesis to Revelation and then say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Here's what we're supposed to do. Here's what we're supposed to do. A baby is born. And then when it's eight days old, we take that baby, we sprinkle water on it in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And magically, original sin is washed away. And this child is now converted. And this child is now born again. I don't know how you derive at that ceremony reading the Bible alone. I have no idea how you read the Bible alone and come to the conclusion a baby is born eight days later, you put water on it in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now, okay, the sins may not be washed away, but now we've placed the covenant sign and now that baby is a member of the church. I don't know how you read the Bible and and read things like, I don't know, look up the word baptizo and say, we are supposed to sprinkle babies. I don't know how you come to that conclusion. Like, I don't know. But clearly, people do. People do. People uh, can read Genesis, where it says the evening and morning was the first day. And they'll be like, oh, uh, that's a thousand years. That's 10,000 years. That's 20,000 years. That, that, that's 50,000 years. Or no, 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 don't take those days literally. Even though when you get to Exodus... When you get to Exodus, forget Genesis, you get to Exodus and you have, and you have this, all right? Uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall thou labor and do all thy work. Now, obviously that's a six literal days, right? I mean, has to be six literal days. He's telling actual people to work for six days. He's not telling them to work for six million years. And then what does he say? But uh, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God, and in it thou shalt not do any work. Okay, then he tells them on the seventh day to rest. Obviously, he's not telling them to rest for six million years. All right, so obviously it's a literal 24 hours. And then verse 11, for in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. Now, it, the contrast is obvious. Hey, six literal days you work, just like God worked for six days. But you're like, no, no, no. Those six days aren't six literal days. How does someone read the Bible and come to that conclusion? Now, I can understand. Well, wait a minute. Science goes against that. I understand that. 
But the point is, is if I'm going to say the Bible is the authority, how do I read that and come to an, a, a different conclusion? Even if you say, well, Genesis 1 through 11 is Hebrew poetry, and so we should not take it literally. Okay, well, we don't take, if we don't take the days literal, then do we take Adam and Eve as literal? Do we take the fall as literal? When does it stop, when does it stop becoming poetic allegory and become reality? When does it become history? Is the flood history or is it like when, I, I, I mean, you, these are questions you have to have. I don't know how it's possible, but clearly it is. Clearly people come to these conclusions. So what can you and I do? Practical steps. I'm not saying we're ever going to come to agreement, but you would think that there are practical things you and I could do when we pick up our Bible. I want you to come up with four or five that would help us get closer to the faith. That was once delivered unto the saints. I believe the saints were the uh, prophets and the apostles. The faith was delivered to them in diverse ways. And then at some point, God used them and he breathed out inspired word. They wrote it down. Here we now have it. That faith once delivered to them and then given to us preserved. We have it here. Now, if this is it. How can I open it today and finally see the faith once delivered and get to closest that we can to it? What are four or five practical things we could do? That's what I want you to send me. You can send it to me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. That is your today's focus for Tuesday, April the 11th, 2023.